Fellow knowledge seekers, I hope you've had a chance to listen to the Waterline podcast on iTunes or in your Android podcast app. People ask me all the time, Shane, what's the future look like? Are we going to flourish? Are we are we going to drive ourselves to extinction? Are we going to destroy everything? Are we going to create heaven on earth? A big part of that incredibly complicated question is water. Water is absolutely fundamental to life. And knowing what is going on with water, the various technologies, the economics, political, social, behavioral, technological, and environmental aspects of water around the globe is really fundamental to understanding questions like that. And if you guys are into science and learning about things that affect our lives and the world, which I know you are, I believe the Waterline podcast is for for you. I just finished a episode called Water for All Regulation all about comparing the different regulations in different areas like the Israeli water law passed in 1959 and comparing how their system of of regulating water compares to California's model of regulating and how We might work together to figure out the best pros and the cons of different systems all around the world. Very, very important stuff. Please check out the Waterline podcast on your Android app and at the iTunes store. Are we? Yes. Where are we? Here. Why are we here? Not entirely clear. We are misfits thrust into existence by random chance. With no hints at all as to how we're supposed to make sense of it all. It's immensely bizarre. Here we are. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Here We Are podcast. Today, I'm talking with Associate Professor in the Department of Psychological Sciences at Texas Tech University, Chris Robichek. How are you doing today, Chris? Doing well, thanks. Thanks for joining me. I'm in. I'm in uh, lovely uh, Lubbock. Is that how you pronounce it? Yes, L- Lubbock, Texas. Yes. Good. That's something that I should probably check before <laughs> uh, <laughs> recording. It's my first time to Lubbock. I'm making my way from Dallas to Albuquerque, and uh, and Chris was uh, nice enough to uh, find some time for me, and we're going to be talking about her work. So. So tell me about uh, you do a lot of work with uh, with personal growth initiative. Yes. So what is that? What does that mean? Um, it's a set of skills that we have for uh, that we can use when we want to change something about ourselves. So when we want to grow, um, when we want to fix something, uh, when we've got a bad habit <laughs> um, that we want to get rid of. Um, I don't have any of those, no, by the way. None of us, I'm, none I'm of us in this room do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, but it's, it's a set of skills. So it's um, uh, knowing when we're ready to ch- change something. So readiness for change is the first one. Um, and so that is, uh, uh, being able to identify what it is we want to change as well as knowing, uh, if this is a good time to change, um, to make that change, uh, planfulness is a second one, second skill. And that is like literally making a plan. Um, so being able to lay out some steps, knowing that I need to be planful, not just kind of wing it. Um, I'll be more successful if I make a plan, uh, using resources, 
uh, knowing that I'll be more successful in making whatever change it is if I actually get some help. Um, and that can be material resources like the Internet. It doesn't have to be – or a podcast. It doesn't have to be uh, a human resource. Right. Um, and then intentional behavior, which I always think of as actually getting up off my butt and doing it. Um, all right. Well, these are all the things that I'm bad at. So, <laughs> so I'm going. I'm going to be learning a lot today. So, so before um, before you can kind of do this, I, I you sort of need a, a sense of self in the first place, right? And and kind of uh, your your sense of identity. And I, hey, how is how is that shaped early on? I saw you did a lot of work with um, adolescents and. And how they kind of construct this idea of the self in the first place? Well, you know, it's it doesn't have to be any special sense of the self. I mean, I've, I asked my niece and nephew when they were little kids how what they could change about themselves. And they could pick something up. You know, my niece wanted to get better at uh, be more aggressive in soccer. <laughs> and um, so this is something that... We just know. We know. We we know stuff to change about ourselves. Um, our parents tell us. Our our teachers tell us. Um, sometimes we're aware of it. We become aware of it just within ourselves. Um, and uh, it's uh, that the figuring out what to change is not rocket science. You know, <laughs> right. we, we ask people in our research to, to write down um, lists of things that they would like to change about themselves. And we have yet to have somebody not come up with a list. So what, what is the history of this field? Cause this is kind of the first time that I've, that I've heard of, of I mean, you know, there's self-help books and everything else, but I've, I've never actually seen it described as a, you know, this, term special growth initiative uh -huh. how did this come about um when i was uh much younger when i was 19 i went on an outward bound course so i went on a mountaineering course and in colorado and um absolutely loved it and i made a decision then that uh i was going to become an outward bound instructor and so it took me another 10 years to get the skills that I needed in order to be able to do that. And um, so when I was in graduate school, I spent a summer at the Voyager Outward Bound School in northern Minnesota and um, instructing courses. And so we would take people out. Um, it was a, primarily a flat water canoeing so, uh, school. And so we'd take people out um, for anywhere from uh, 5 to 20 days um, paddling around the Boundary Waters canoe area wilderness. And we'd also do rock climbing in there and uh, have people spend time alone on what's called a solo. There was a personal challenge event at the end where they'd really have to push themselves in some way. Um, and uh, lots of other components. But it was fascinating how some people would respond in ways that were just eating up all the things they were learning about themselves and other people were really not loving it and mm. um, were actually quite resistant to learning things about themselves. And, um, and, and I was very curious about what determined who was getting a lot out of it and open to learning a lot about themselves and who was really not so much. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess, uh, uh 
this is sort of goes along with you know determining your sense of self i i do feel like sometimes people have a little bit of trouble taking an honest look at themselves in in the mirror you know and 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 kind of being very honest with because oftentimes um it's much easier to um you know blame situations or blame others for you know your situation in life whatever it might be i mean i i did a lot of factory work uh when i was I'm from Wisconsin originally, mm-hmm. and um, I, I did a lot of factory work early on, and you'd see a lot of, a lot of, uh, you know, just a very kind of, kind of depressed, sad sack kind of middle-aged men that were in a tough situation. You know, probably a, a lot of times had gone through a divorce and paying child support and everything else, and. And they're working the same job in this factory, like not trying to elevate themselves. And sometimes it's easier just to be like, oh, well, it's it's like the Mexicans coming in and taking our jobs or mm-hmm. something like like that. So so what what do you think the difference was in the personality trait between the people that were able to kind of take about accountability or actually be excited to learn about themselves and the people that were kind of scared about it? Well, before I answer that, there's something really important that I, I, I think we're missing. Right. And that is that, and and this kind of speaks to how, uh, well, how I see myself and, the ways in which I'm willing to change or see myself as needing to change may not be the way my loved ones do. Mm. And, um, or somebody outside of me working next to me in the factory might see. And so, um, personal growth is a really, well, personal thing. <laughs> and, and it's, um, uh, it's something that, uh, I, I think that people can be more open, can learn to be more open to other people's messages and information about, um, well, it'd be helpful if you grew in this way. Um, but I but I also think that uh, we don't always know what the best way for somebody else to grow is. Right. And, and like, I have a hard time saying that for somebody else. Um, I realize I'm a psychologist and I'm saying that. But, um, <laughs> but... Um, but it, but I don't always know until I know that person really, really well. Um, and even then, they're going to be the expert. If they're, you know, a functional adult and those sorts of things, right. they're going to know that better than I am. Hmm. Sometimes I feel like it goes the other way, where, where sometimes a friend of mine will, will call me and they had like this big epiphany about themselves. And it, it's all often like, well, yeah, like me or any one of your good friends could have told that's what we've been trying to yeah. tell you the whole time yeah. so well, yeah i guess <laughs> i guess it can go but yeah people know themselves better than uh better than anyone by the way do you are you a rock climber yes yeah oh cool I, what, what I, makes you ask that I, i'm big into rock climbing I've, i've actually <laughs> yeah, you, you mentioned um oh, on rock, the outward rock bound climbing course, yes. uh, outward bound yeah. um and it yeah it's it uh that is, it's something that made me learn a lot about myself. I don't, I don't rock climb now because I had an injury a while back, but, uh, mm-hmm. but it was something that I was obsessed with. I, I really, I really liked the idea of just me against this wall, this yeah. <laughs> immovable object. Yeah. I felt like really taught me a lot about discipline and looking yeah. for 
uh, you're working on the same thing for like two weeks, the same route yeah. for two weeks, this move that seems impossible. And then mm-hmm. one day you just like twist your hips a little bit and it's the easiest thing yeah. that you <laughs> that you've ever done. That yeah. seems like an interesting way to get people to to learn. Yeah. Um, uh, so I, I don't know. I just wanted to go off on a tangent about, about well, rock climbing. I mean, and actually, it's um, I think it's a great way for people to learn about themselves. And I know that I have learned tons about myself rock climbing, and um, and it's it fascinates me when people don't have to learn about themselves, or at least it appears to me that way mm. when they do that same activity that I do. Um, you know, for me, I was always terrified and, and so always having to deal with that fear. And so it was a constant learning that about myself and, and kind of a constant personal growth experience. And for other people who appear to be relatively fearless, um, when they climb, I, you know, it's not that they're not challenging themselves. They may be physically challenging themselves in really important ways, but it's not so much about personal growth for them. Hmm. And it's, I, I, frankly, I was jealous. <laughs> so, uh, so back to this question we were setting up about what, what seems to be the individual oh, right. differences in, in right. the people being more accepting to, or, or more willing to change and, and learn. Right. Well, um, you know, the initial research that I did was a total bust. Um, so it wasn't the things that I thought it would be. Um, and instead, I think it's it's these things. It's these personal growth initiative skills. And I think that it's, um, do, do people know how to do it? Mm. It's not that people don't want to change, don't like value this notion of becoming better people. Um, but I think that oftentimes we don't know how, and um, or or we realize that there will be consequences, um, or somehow it's scary, and so it's those things that get in the way of people actually growing and changing, mm. um, and so and taking advantage of um, opportunities that are in front of them. Uh, so when you mentioned readiness, what grabbed my attention was the, the idea of, of timing and finding the right time. Um, how, how do you do that? Because I, I feel like <laughs> in, in my life, I feel like I use that as an excuse all the time where like recently I've, I've been putting off. I've wanted to learn a new language just because I've, I've talked with many, uh, we've done episodes on, on like memory and improving memory and that sort of thing. And, Mm -hmm. and it's come up a lot on this podcast that, that learning another language is one of the, um, better things you can do for brain health. And it seems like a fun thing to do anyway. And I, and I always was just like, yeah, but I have I have to get ready for my next podcast, or I have to get ready for my next show. And mm-hmm. do I really need to learn Mandarin or Spanish or whatever right now? And and uh, I started to recently. Find, basically, what happened was I was wasting so much time um, playing like silly games on my phone when I was like waiting at a restaurant or whatever. That I instead just found a learning Spanish app. And I'm like, well, now I won't be wasting time. <laughs> And I can still now I'll make the game something where I'm actually learning. Uh-huh. Uh, but but have you 
Uh, have you kind of researched any tips on finding this timing for creating change in your life? People need to evaluate um, for anything they're considering changing. They have to evaluate. Um, it's not that different than the things you've already considered. So things like um, what will the consequences be? If I if I actually try to do it, so like what's what's going to get in the way? So how difficult will it be? Um, how uh, um, how likely am I to actually be successful? Um, do I? Um, how important is it to me right now? Mm. Um, you know, because if something's not that important, why would we put a lot of time into it? And you know, when we start kind of rating these things, and so if something's not very important. But would take a lot of time, then why would we do it? Right. You know? <laughs> or if the consequences are really huge, um, you know, and maybe you really liked those games on your phone, you know, and so <laughs> yeah. so it would be less time for your games. And so it's uh, um, we have to evaluate those kinds of things about it. Um, uh, what are the practicalities, you know, of it? Do I have the resources I need to do it? Um, it's it's stuff that is really straightforward to think about. Um, and, uh, yeah. So let's take something like exercising, which is, which I think intellectually anyone knows that exercising is important and good for their health <laughs> and they'll feel better if they do it. Uh, mm -hmm. But it's so easy, like when you fall out of it, which mm -hmm. I have, it's so hard to get back into it, and it's so easy to think of a million other things to do rather than exercise. I, I feel like your brain can trick you into because exercise is this long term thing, right. and then you and then you go, well, but I need to do my taxes now because a deadline's coming up or or something like that. But uh, I feel like even if you consciously know that, no, I need to be exercising three, four times a week, it's very easy for, for your brain to uh, to tell you, uh, to trick you out of these kind of conscious goals that you have for yourself. And I think that for most people with with exercise, it's not a readiness issue, that it's probably a planfulness and using resources issue. Mm. Um, and so... Uh, you know, it's kind of like the New Year's resolution effect that oh, I'm going to exercise this year and yeah. January 2nd comes and, yeah, it's not happening. But that January 1st was so productive. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, That's not right. quite because you're hungover. Well, there's that. <laughs> um, but, it, but how much are people actually planning out, okay, so if, I, if I'm going to start exercising, what does that mean? What does that mean I need to do, Make ch what changes do I need to make in my life in order to accommodate that? Mm. How much exercise is reasonable for me? You know, am I actually going to try to, you know, like, I don't know, run 100 miles a week or something crazy like right. For me, that would be crazy. Crazy like that, um, in which case that's not a reasonable goal and I don't have time for that. And so instead I need to figure out what's the reasonable goal and how do I plan out how to get that into my life? And what am I going to move around? 
because my life's busy and everybody's lives are busy. And so how do we move things around in our life in order to accommodate it? Um, and then the user, using resources part is, um, you know, there's all kinds of research that shows that um, especially for exercise, if we've got somebody that we're exercising with, we're more, more likely to do it. Mm-hmm. And so um, in my mind, that's because that person's a resource. You know, it's all about accountability right. and all of that. But but that's a resource. And so Fitbit. what? Yes. And so right. what resources am I using in order to um, maximize the chances that this will actually happen? Hmm. So it's it's those kinds of things and getting those kinds of things lined up. Hmm. All right. So at 35, probably put aside the NFL dreams for, for now and maybe. and maybe start doing some push-ups uh, every yeah. day, so, something a little more. Start from there. Yep. See how it goes. So how do you how do you test this uh, kind of uh, these techniques? Are, are there are there any like rigid kind of tests that you're running on? large sample sizes of, of people to determine what's working? We have, um, uh, we have a, a simple questionnaire that measures personal growth initiative that measures the skills. It's really simple. It's 16 items. Um, and it just assesses kind of where people are on these four different skills. Um, and then the, the kinds of research that we're doing, that's actually testing. Okay. So what happens when we teach people these skills? Um, the, the things that we're most interested in right now is, um, uh, the extent to which testing or teaching these skills will actually prevent depression. Hmm. And, uh, we have lots of research that shows that people who have these, these skills, well-developed skills, um, have lower levels of depression, less anxiety, uh, better psychological well-being, more happiness, all, all the good stuff, um, but we wanted to know, so is that causal? And so we have an, an intervention called intentional growth training where we teach people these skills. We kind of walk them through, um, uh, uh, walk them through an, a change process. So we help them identify something to change about themselves, uh, help them select something and then make a plan, identify one step in that plan they're going to do. And then they do it over the next week and then they come back. Um, it's a very simple intervention. And, um, and what we're looking to see is during a stressful time, and we're looking primarily at college students and we know as the semester goes on, stress goes up, depression goes up. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're looking at, can we prevent the onset of depressive symptoms in students? And we're finding very good success in doing that. Hmm. That's interesting. I've, I've had depression, something that I deal with somewhat mm-hmm. regularly. I don't have, really have anxiety at all, but, mm-hmm. uh, um, and, and I, I guess I do when I was, I had like a couple of years where I was taking fantastic like care of myself mm-hmm. and I was, it's like, Oh, I'm going to create this change. And then I'm I kind of stuck to it. And then mm-hmm. six months later, like I'm going to add on this additional thing. Yeah. And it was, it was the, the probably the happiest I was and, and the least mm-hmm. um, depressed I was in my life. I, I just, uh, so, so when you're, when you say that you're, when you're walking someone through creating these changes, is this, so is this a very specific case by case basis or is it just as simple as you're, 
you're just walking them through creating a plan are you you're just kind of pulling this out of each individual person what they think they need to do we it's a workshop that we do the intentional growth training is a workshop, so we do it in group settings. Mm. And so um, there tend to be small groups for us because we want to be able to answer people's questions as they have them. And and we only work with them for about an hour and a half. And um, <coughs> excuse me. And um, and so the the didactic part where we teach them what these skills are and kind of why they're good for them that takes about half the time. And then the the planning part takes about the other half of the time for 45 minutes and and so what we're doing is um we ask them to make a list of of all the things to change about themselves um all the things they can think of and then we ask them to evaluate that list um how important are these things uh are each each of the things to them um how likely are they to be successful um uh those kinds of things. And, and then we, um, we have them select one that they want to work on during the next week. And then we walk, walk with them through making a plan. So laying out what their, their particular plan is. Um, and that's going to be different because we may have somebody in the group whose plan, whose goal is to, um, uh, actually study for their next exam, right. you know, and somebody else whose goal is to um, exercise six times, you know, in the next week. You know, so people have very different goals. And um, and so but so their plan is going to be tailored to them and they can ask us questions. They can, um, um, you know, ask us for assistance if they need it. And then um, we have them kind of order their steps, you know, because they'll just throw them all the pieces out there and then they order them and and they pick what they think they should start with and and we just ask them to do one thing mm. one step in the week yeah i guess that's kind of because usually when i'm like okay i'm gonna create change it's like all right i'm gonna meditate i'm gonna exercise i'm going right. and i have a laundry list of of things that i need to do yeah. to be perfect and then yeah. uh and as that, we all do and then it looks <laughs> and then it looks very overwhelming and then i'm like eh, i'm gonna watch tv yeah. um so do you think part of the reason why this is successful? So, so you're creating this plan, and then uh, people go, "Okay, I'm going to do this this week," and then they come back the following week, and then they report on how it went. Or? Yeah, all we do in that next week is we debrief, mm. and you know, we ask them to write about it, and we ask what the experience was like for them, and um, and right now that's it. We're in the process of developing a longer, more involved intervention so a uh, workshop that'll be six weeks long mm. um and in that how long is it now it's one week oh so it's, it's just it's, one oh, it's one session I see. they okay. do their activity and their one step and then they come back and debrief and it really is that simple really and then just off into the world and off into the world they go yeah, <laughs> really? yeah. and what happens when you check back in with these people like a year later or something well, then? we haven't done yeah. that yet <laughs> <laughs> because because to me it seems like um like i had an accountability thing that i did with crossfit where it'd be you know every week you'd have to check in and there'd be a new thing and and there's this daily accountability and it mm -hmm. just it went great and then after this eight weeks or whatever when it stopped i still did 
pretty well, but not nearly as good as when there was this organization that I had mm-hmm. to check in with. Yeah. Um, I, which I guess is the importance of having, you know, a friend or some other social support. So what can people, so what can people do to kind of create that accountability for themselves then? They just have to have, I mean, ideally like reach, I, I know that there's individual differences and, yeah. and everything. So, I, I, I guess one of the things you can do is to reach out to a friend and, and say, hey, we should both quit smoking or or mm-hmm. something like that um, together. Do you, do you have any yeah. other or, you know, or just or just set up um, set up accountability with um, someone who loves you enough to to say, hey, you doing it? How'd you do this week? How did how did you do today? Um, that's not just going to wait for for you to go to them and report. Um, and uh, you know, in a, if if it's something that requires you, for me, if it's something that requires me getting somewhere, it's much better if I have somebody that I know is going to be there waiting for me. Um, but if it's something that I'm just doing on my own, um, the accountability is just telling somebody. Mm. So like, I know that when I've, um, worked on improving my, my eating habits, um, even just writing them down, that's accountability to myself. And, um, and so, and that's something that's not unique to me. There's lots of dietitians that will recommend that. And so that accountability to oneself is, can also be really powerful. Hmm. Yeah, I remember being in uh, again CrossFit. I think, and it was something like they would have you write down a goal for mm-hmm. the week and put it like in an envelope that you would then reopen at the yeah. end of end of the week. And I also, when I did have success with um, you know stopping smoking or or other things like that, um, I would. Uh, you know, once I was a few days in, I would just start blabbing about it to anyone who would listen because, yes. because then I, you know, well, now if I don't stick to this, everyone knows that I didn't stick to yeah. this thing and, and, um, and I failed. Um, so, so what about, what about when you, um, it, here's, here's something that, uh, I, I'm dealing with. What about when you have this, you, you make all these improvements in your life and then you have something like an injury or something like that, that, that throws you all out of whack and, and, um, you, you know, all of your habits kind of fall apart. How do you, how do you, it's so weird because it's like, oh, I did it before and I, I know what I did and what worked and I still have a incredible amount of difficulty um, restarting and, and you'd think it would be easier the second or third time uh, around. You'd think, and yeah. it isn't for, I don't know, the vast majority of us mm. <laughs> are, have exactly the rea- the response that you have. And so, um, it's, uh, you know, and I think that's part of the problem is that we somehow think this is supposed to be easy and, and that even if we've done it once, it should somehow be easier. And, um, and the fact is that it's still, it's still about change. It's still about personal growth and it's a bitch. There's just, there's just no getting, no getting around that. And, and, and so the, the thing is, is that this time around, we're in a new place. 
Uh, we're in a new posi- new place in our life. Um, you know, let's say it's an injury. And so, um, and I can talk about this one from personal experience also with, cause I have an injury that inhibits my climbing now. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's about, um, not only am I starting over physically, it's, we have an injury. And so there's all of the loss of identity and the, and the, um, uh, dealing with the pain and the dealing with the physical limitations and the um, there's there's all these other things that come along with um, whatever it is that's changed. Mm. In addition to oh, I have to start exercising again. Right, the loss of identity is interesting. I guess I never thought of that, but that that rings true for me. Uh, can. Uh, can you talk about that a, a little bit, like how that uh, this mm-hmm. may not be your work, but uh, yeah. but if you could elaborate on that a little bit. Sure. Um, the um, it, well, my specific situation. Oh, or, ju- ju- or just the what? concept of it oh, okay. in, in, in general, sure. like, like why yeah. it, why it happens for people in the first place. And, sure. And what what can possibly be done yeah. to um, overcome it or reassess? And, and actually, it's it's very relevant to the personal growth initiative research. Um, the, um, you know, we, we think of ourselves and have different identities, um, and this is evolving throughout our lives, Mm -hmm. you know? So, so one of my identities now is I'm a professor. Well, I didn't have that when I was 20. Um, and I'm may or may not have it when I'm 70. Right. And, um, but it's definitely a core part of my identity and who I am. And if, if something happens that threatens that, let's say loss of a job or something, loss like of that. a job, or I get diagnosed with early onset Alzheimer's, mm. well, that's really going to threaten it. Right. And, and so how I respond to that is, is going to be important. And so we have a little bit of research that's shown that, um, or that suggests that people who have better developed personal growth initiative skills may be less threatened by those kinds of losses. And when you think about what these skills are, they're skills for changing myself. And, you know, growing is a form of change. And so they're skills for changing myself and changing how I am or who I am or what I am. But if I'm already used to doing that, I have these good skills, I've been using them all my life, and and I know how to do that. Well, if I'm forced to do it because of some life event, mm. then I'm going to be less threatened by that life event because, okay, well, I've done this before. I can do it again. I don't like it. I may not like it. I may hate it, but I can do it again. What are what are some of the individual differences in in just how much people um, ruminate on things? So so you start building these skills and then you and then you fall off a little bit. Is it have you noticed uh, individual differences, or or is it just simply some people have these skills and are willing to learn these skills, and people that don't have these uh, the, these skills? should learn them and then they'll get over it. Is it just as simple as that? Every, 
everybody's got some level of these skills. I, I, I've yet to meet the person who doesn't know anything about these things. Right. Um, but, uh, but I also don't know anybody who's cornered the market on it, you know, who's just got it down. And that, so I think we all have our challenges with things that are easier for us to learn about ourselves or ways to grow and things that are harder. Um, and, uh, um, I, I think part of it is people, some people just haven't been taught how to grow. Right. And then that it, it like, it's a thing that it's, it's an actual set of skills. Um, and, uh, it's just something that, um, you know, like I think about if somebody told me that I could intentionally get taller, um, well, That'd be cool, but, <laughs> but but that kind of growth is not intentional. Mm-hmm. And so I think a lot of people think about their personality development and the, who they are as a person kind of along that same way. They can identify ways they've changed, but they don't really know what that is or how that happened. Um, and we, we talk about that as being in awareness, but not intentional. Um, and... Uh, but it's it's the intentionality of it that's really important for our mental health and the intentionality of it that we just have to teach people. Mm. Yeah, th- it is interesting that of all the things, you know, you, you go to – I didn't go to college, but you go, uh, you know, all uh, K through 12 or whatever, and – uh, you go through all that and the things that they don't teach you uh, – you know, you you learn – history lessons and, and all this all this stuff that's not terribly relevant a lot of times in your adult life but the things that they don't te- no one like teaches you how to learn in the first place right. like they often aren't i think they're better about it now but they don't teach study habits that well to kids they just tell you you got to study you got to set aside right. time and do this and the same thing with kind of this personal growth stuff like say say exercising I mean, yeah, they might make you go to gym class and they might make you run a mile or, you know, play basketball or whatever it might be. But they don't they don't teach you about kind of building these habits and they might try to instill habits, but they don't teach you how to do it on your own. Um, What what do you think? uh, Have you done work with with children at all or or just adolescents? We, We haven't. Um, it's, it's an area that, um, I, we are planning on starting, um, in a few years, somewhere down the road. Um, but, uh, but we haven't started working with kids yet. Um, it's, I certainly believe it's relevant for, Mm. well, as I said, from talking with my niece and nephew, um, but, uh, it's, um, yeah, it's, and, and I think if we start with kids that's going to be so much better right um because to me it's it seems like um it it, what was the i was reading some some work of yours um and i was uh, i was kind of being reminded of high school about the uh the factors that contribute to positive and negative self-image the identity synthesis um, versus confusion. Oh, uh huh. Um, could you touch on that a little bit? Just because we sort of talked about it a little bit in the beginning, I guess. But because I, yeah. I think to me, when when it comes to finding out about yourself, 
uh, you know, you hit puberty or whatever in those teen years, for me were incredibly confusing times. And then, and then some some people seemed like they just had it, you know, especially the kids that were real athletic or whatever. And then, and then later on in life, those are sometimes the people that end up having the self crisis or, uh, or, or crisis of self or whatever. Yeah. Because, uh, because what, what may have happened with those, those young athletes is they may have foreclosed on their identity, which means that, that before they've actually explored who they are and what they're about, they landed on something mm. like they grabbed onto something, some identity and, um, and hung on to it for all it was worth and then realized it too, too late. Oh yeah, that ain't going to work. Right. And, and so, and so um, what people need to explore and they need to have the courage to explore. And, you know, we talk about teen years as, you know, tumultuous, but also a time of exploration. And, um, and that's part of what's tumultuous about it is people are trying stuff on. Of course, that's tumultuous for the parents, but because um, their kids are trying trying on different ways of being. Right. But um, but it's uh, it's that exploration, exploring who am I, what do I believe, what do I think, um, what's really important to me, what are my values, um, what do I want in life, and. And having the courage to do that without it producing a whole lot of anxiety, mm. and um, you know, and and what I what I think is that part of what will contribute to that being productive, and our research with kind of late adolescents suggests that this may be the case, is that if people have the skills for growing, then that's going to promote that. We know that it promotes exploration. Um, and so I would think that early in the earlier years, it should promote exploration as well. At least that's my hypothesis. Hmm. So is, is there another side of it too? Or because I was, I was uh, very exploratory <laughs> um, and, and still am. I've always, I mean, I love traveling all over the place and having new experiences and trying new things mm-hmm. all the time. I do feel like I sometimes struggle with, uh, with commitment more and actually like taking actions. I'm, I'm much more interested in finding new things and, and learning new things ra- rather than kind of, uh, e- even when I know, have a sense of what I want. I have a, a little more trouble like committing and and putting the work in. I, I have a much easier, like I'm not scared to try out uh, you know, new things, but I, I do sometimes st- get paralyzed by choice almost. Oh, there's a whole research on the tyranny of choice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> a whole lot of, a whole lot of research out there. That's not what I do, but right. um, yeah, choice is not always a good thing. Um, cause it can, it can, um, it can be too much, <laughs> you know? Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm not sure how to you answer can, you that. Can, you can take a, you can take a pass, <laughs> on, that take a pass on that one. No problem. <laughs> um, so when you talk about setting an intention, um, what, mm-hmm. what do you mean by that exactly? Like what, uh, do you have any, tips or things that seem to work when it comes down to the actual intention in doing. So, um, so planning was important. We did the kind of readiness and timing and, and planning. So you're not just winging it and then having a resource like your peer group or uh, 
accountability programs or whatever it might be. Um, but yeah, can we the focus actual on doing. Yeah, yeah, the actual doing. Yeah, because that, that's a kicker for a lot of people. <laughs> um, you know, that's the one that I think is most individual. Mm. And the rest of it is kind of we can we can help people um, uh, kind of with a program. But but the intentional behavior part is about figuring out what are the blocks to it. So for some people, they're not moving because they're depressed. And there's this physiological set of physiological symptoms that goes along with depression that's like inhibiting movement Mm -hmm. and so they need some some behavioral activation like helping them just literally get moving to help them move forward with ways that they want to change themselves Um, other people it may be paralyzed by anxiety they can they can identify what to change they can make the plan they can they can um, you know line up their resources and then they get paralyzed by fear and so it's the fear and the anxiety that in, that prohibits the movement, the actual behaviors. And so this one requires, I think, a lot more the person knowing themselves better um, or getting help to know themselves better to figure out what's stopping them from actually enacting that plan. Hmm. All right. So uh, before we start wrapping up, I have each one of my guests uh, name a charity of their choice each week. And so what would you like to promote this week? American Cancer Society. Oh, wonderful. All right. Um, and yeah, that's uh, no one's going to argue with that one. <laughs> we, 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 well, it is Super Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess so. Thought I'd go safe today. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, well, all the listeners can go to the Here We Are podcast.com website and check out the American Cancer Society. Obviously, this is a very important thing. We all know people uh, that are affected by this. And so check that out. And uh, so, so as we wrap up, so if if someone if if someone doesn't live in Lubbock and they don't have the opportunity to come and and see you and do your week or potentially eventually your six week uh, program, um, can can you just uh, ju- just do a little overview, basically on, on things that people can do for themselves or if there's any resources out there that you recommend any books that you like any anything like that any any apps any programs that that you could direct people towards um no apps (laughs) i'm low tech (laughs) okay um but uh this whole thing is not rocket science and i know i keep saying that but it's not but it's about learning uh the process of growing rather than just taking it one growth thing at a time and and in and it's it's learning that uh if people use these six skill or i'm sorry (laughs) too many these four skills so readiness for change so figuring out am i ready to make this change actually making a plan getting their resources lined up and then either enacting their plan or figuring out why they're not enacting their plan. And maybe it's not a good plan, or maybe there's something internal that's blocking them. Those are the four skills. And 
That's what they need. <laughs> All right. Well, how about this? Can, can we do a specific one with me and, sure. and walk me through it? Um, so, so if I were to make a whole list of things, um, probably, uh, which that might be a good idea for people to make a list of things that they'd want to improve first and then prioritize yes. from there and, yes. and then maybe pick the top one yes. or or two, probably one first to start. Yeah, one. <laughs> I, I won. Okay. All right. So let's say exercise. That's okay. that's something that I'd really like to, I fell out of and I remember how good I felt when I was doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I come in, I tell you, I want to exercise more. Mm-hmm. So, and I know we've been through all this, but let's cater it maybe a little more specifically to to me just so just so my listeners can hear kind of specifically okay. this sort of thought process and you're welcome to ask me any personal questions or whatever okay. I'm, I'm happy to be vulnerable um so so what do i do uh, i want to exercise so there's probably reasons you're not exercising yeah um so how uh given your busy schedule and your travel schedule how realistic is it for you to add exercise to what you're already doing? Well, it's, uh, it is much more difficult when I'm on the road. When I'm home in L.A., which I'm going back to, so maybe it would be a good time to start once I get back. That was easier to start initially because then I have like a regular rock climbing gym I can go to or I'm not sure I can do CrossFit um, at the moment because of my foot injury. But, but um you know, there's a, there's a few things like that that I can do, but, but I also feel like I, I sometimes look up, um, I forget the name of the program, but there's, there's videos for like, you know, a a push up thing that it takes you through or, Mm -hmm. or a sit up, you know, 10, eight minute abs or something Mm -hmm. like that. And, and it's small and it doesn't Mm -hmm. seem that intimidating Mm -hmm. and it's something that (laughs) that at least every other day i'm like just do that it'll just be 10 minutes and um i i I don't know what it is i i just sometimes i do and i start doing it like three days in a row and then i fall out of it again um because you don't have a long-term plan yeah, that's true. So, I don't. I don't really have a solid long term plan. I'm right. just like, oh, maybe today I'll do this. Right. Okay. So, so if if you decide that this is realistic, how important is it for you? Um, I'd say it's pretty important. I, I mean, I'm a pretty healthy guy, but I think that uh, especially overcoming my injury, I'd like to be healthier and be able to walk correctly uh, again. Mm-hmm. And um, also, I'm on stage and on television and stuff and so i uh it helps to look better you know it it gives me more confidence if i'm being honest yes and and i'm well aware of of the uh of you know the the brain health aspect of of things as well and i feel like i i was writing more and and better at studying and everything else when i was oxygenating my brain and and um and, and so, yeah, I'm just, I'm, uh, I just can't get the ball rolling. So it seems like there's two different times. There's when you're at home and when you're on the road. Yes. And so maybe you need two different plans. Uh, yeah, that's pl- a good idea. The plan for when you're home and the plan for when you're on the road. So you're going home now or yeah. soon. Yeah, a couple days. So 
maybe that's the place to start. Mm-hmm. But recognizing that you won't do that when you're on the road. It's just not practical because you were not at home. You don't have the resources. And so needing down the road to make a plan for down for when you're on the road. Mm-hmm. So when you go home, what's what's a reasonable amount of exercise to do? Well, see, if it's a long-term plan, it doesn't seem unreasonable to do like a half hour or an hour a day, but I don't think I could start with that. I think I would have to start with like 10 minutes a day or something like that. And is it reasonable? You're saying a day. Is it reasonable to do it every day? Um, I think five days a week would be reasonable. And anyway. do you know which days? Um, no, I guess I don't know. This is the level of specificity. Right. Okay. And so it, it truly is about, um, that specific of a plan. So, so which days, Mm -hmm. when during the day, what kind of activity, um, where would you do it? Um, and then evaluating what, um, have you, have you created something you can't do? So like 10 minutes at the gym, would you really go all the way to the gym for 10 minutes? No. So, so, so it's about figuring out what would you actually do? Right. So maybe in LA, I would go to the gym two or three times a week for a longer period of time. And then maybe, or be at home for 10 minutes, right? which, whichever way you want to do it. But yeah, something that's realistic for you. Hmm. Okay. And, and so, so what about, um, what about using resources? What kind of exercise is feasible now, given that you have an injury? Um, I think that definitely I can't run, but I, and I, I couldn't do any like real heavy, like squats or anything like that. It's a foot problem, but I can definitely do like upper body stuff. No problem. And there's nothing stopping me from doing that or, you know, push up, sit ups, that, that sort of thing. Planks, um, pl- plenty of, I think there's plenty of stuff that I could be doing and, and even leg exercises to, I know I need to be strengthening my leg, which mm-hmm. atrophied, um, quite a bit. So, so there's a lot that I can do, but I know that I can't do like CrossFit or something like that is way too intense, um, for it at the moment. So, and and that, and that was, that was something that was really helpful for me because it was an accountability thing and I had, it wasn't as intimidating when I had someone checking my form and someone kind of put, like, I need someone yelling at me. <laughs> like, I just, I just need that. As the CrossFit instructors are good at. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just need that. I, I, I won't, I won't, like, I can't do it. I, I don't know. I, I mean, it, you know, some, some of the programs online have been, you know, when it's a timed thing and, and it's like a beeping going off, like I'm doing a push up every beep or whatever. And then it's this 30 second break. And so these these timed out things do seem to help a little bit. The other problem is, is my I don't have a nine to five job. I have a insanely unpredictable uh, schedule. And so I do find it hard to get into routines like I know I just started. I fell out of meditating a little bit and that was 
has like, I'm just going to start back from the beginning in case it, it, it just because I'm having trouble doing this mm-hmm. with the, and it was one of the first things was like, you know, it, it really helps if you, if you are in the same place at the same time, if, <laughs> if possible, I'm like, nope, just, that's just not, <laughs> not yes. possible for yeah. me. So I guess it'll just be a, a hair more challenging. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and listen to yourself. If you, I mean, it sounds like the one thing that you said in there that was absolutely certain is you need somebody yelling at you. Yeah. And so, you know, whether it's a machine or a person. Yeah. And so figuring out how do you get that? And so how do you get somebody to yell at you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, 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 you know, whether that's going to the CrossFit gym and saying, hey, I'm injured right now. I can't do CrossFit. Can I just be here? And listen to them yelling at other people, yeah, you know, yeah. which could be motivating. Well, I, I mean, I, and I could certainly, I've talked with them and they're willing to like, they can give me different things yeah. that I can do, you know, al- alternative things while everyone else is doing the run yeah. or whatever it might be. Um, so, okay. So that, that's a, that's a pretty decent plan. And then, and then, so what specifically with the intention is that, do I have the intention now or are there any, uh, any other chances you're actually going to do it? Oh boy. Um, well, it's helping that I'm talking about this (laughs) now and all of my listeners are, are going to hold me accountable. Um, Hopefully, or some of them. Um, um, I don't know. Like honesty is really I, important I, here. I, I I honestly think like there's there's like a twenty percent chance of of success right mm-hmm. now. But I I do think that maybe maybe if I did something a little more measured, maybe if I said like every other day for ten minutes. No matter what, just do it for one month or something like that. Maybe mm-hmm. I, I also seem to like if, if I think too far ahead, like I'm going to do this forever. It seems like it's almost too intimidating yeah. for me. Whereas mm-hmm. if I'm like, I'm just going to do this for a month and see how I feel yeah. afterwards. So, you know, the, we would need to make a much more detailed plan. Right. And, and for it to be. Uh, it doesn't surprise me that it's 20% chance of it happening right. um, because we don't have, you don't have a plan. Right, right. You know, you got some ideas. Yeah. And so your plan has to be a multi-step plan. And so it's about, you know, if your goal is to exercise regularly, there are steps in moving towards exercising regularly. And so what are, what are the steps in moving towards that? And then you pick one of those steps to do first. Mm. So it's not this week I'm going to exercise regularly. Um, that, that's a lot to bite off if you've not been exercising regularly. Yeah, I mean, I mean maybe I could start with, because I have been doing some of my physical therapy stretches and, and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. maybe I, I, I could probably start out with a more modest doing just five minutes of mobility stuff a day and just mm-hmm. getting getting some of my flexibility and mobility back first because some of that's yeah. strength building as well yeah. and and getting me going yeah. so all and, right and maybe so. you do it plan it every, week by week since your schedule changes so much hmm. that's so a good idea. part of your plan is that i don't know whenever your week start let's say it starts on a tuesday every tuesday i'll sit down because i know what i'm doing for the rest of the week and then I'll I'll plan in exercise for the rest of the week. 
All right. Well, I, uh, now I'm at 25%. That's what, <laughs> that's, what giving, that's what I'm giving myself. Well, thank you so much uh, for all of your advice and, and, uh, and, and sharing your knowledge and research with, I know my listeners are going to find, find this interesting, although it's helping me probably more than it's helping them. But I do find that when I make it personal, people attach a little more. So, so this is listeners. This is just an example of, I, we can't predict what each, every individual one of you is up to. So this is just kind of an example of the thought process that you want to take. Thank you very much, Chris, for joining me. It's been my pleasure. And thank you guys so much for listening and being curious. And I'll talk with you next week. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Please don't forget to rate, review, share, tell everyone you know, all that good stuff. Uh, We have a lot of exciting stuff coming up. You'll remember we did a few episodes on homelessness. Uh, I remember the start of season two, which was last November. I said I was going to uh, once in a while. We're not going to do it a lot, but I'm I'm hoping for once every other month or, or so, or maybe once a month at the most, I'm going to be reaching out to a nonprofit of some kind and uh, and just kind of asking them about uh, what they see and um, and and their their views on you know these people are a little more hands on with some of society's problems and so I I just uh, want to give myself and others the opportunity to hear from their point of view rather than um, you know politicians who have. I've never actually gone out and seen any of this stuff. But uh, anyhow, <laughs> I don't know why I'm ranting. But I, I'm doing, uh, uh, there's a, a farm sanctuary in California. I just went and visited. Um, and, and so I'm going to be talking about, we're going to be getting into um, uh, into uh, factory farming, which is really interesting. I, I'm not a vegetarian or anything, so I'm... I'm excited to to hear the point of view, um, and also a few other things. I better not even say it, just in case something happens to fall through. But I, but I do have some pretty exciting stuff lined up in that regard, um, and in the nonprofit kind of area. So, yeah, a lot of exciting stuff. Coming up next week on the program, I'm going to be talking with Chris Robachek. She is a uh, she is the head of the Personal Growth Initiative Research Lab, and in Lubbock, Texas. And I stopped through to talk to her about how um, how I can make some positive changes in my life. I think I'm going to need to talk to about 40 more people <laughs> that study this stuff before it really takes, but. I'm trying, guys. We're all trying. Um, so tune, tune in next week. We all want to be a better person, right? Or or something like that. Or maybe not beat ourselves up uh, as much for for not being um, the the person maybe we think we should be or whatever. So maybe, yeah, this is something that's relevant to all of us. So tune in next week for that, and you guys are fantastic. You're my favorites. The one that listens, uh, the people that listen all the way to the end of this, shh, you're my favorite ones. The other listeners, they're nice and everything, but you guys are the best. So thank you very much for hanging in there through all my announcements. 
right up until the end. Done. Say uh, Seinfeld was on an island and he was blowing Boris Karloff. What would it, what would that be like? <laughs> it might go something like this. Well, Mister Karloff, I loved you and Frankenstein, and I love giving you a blowjob. Why, Mister Seinfeld? I'd love having you 